Well, listeners, in case you didn't get enough sports today, here's an ad break that'll tell you how to watch even more sports. YouTube is the new home of NFL Sunday Ticket. And if you sign up now, you'll get the lowest full season price of the year. Just go to youtube.com slash Spotify offer to get $100 off NFL Sunday Ticket. Watch your favorite teams out of market Sunday afternoon games exclusively on YouTube and YouTube TV. All right, enough about sports. Go get more sports. Terms and embargoes apply. Offer ends June 6th. No refunds. But I'm going to tell you this we ain't done yet. Howdy and welcome back to the Ineligibles podcast. I am Will Stone. He is Chase Caldwell. Cock-a-doodle-doo, folks. Cock-a-doodle-doo, folks. Uh, I've got the uh, 12thman.com slash sports slash football slash schedule pulled up on my on my laptop here. And it's 16 days, 15 hours, uh, 23 minutes, and 15 seconds until kickoff. Nice. Uh, how is uh, things in Waxahachie, Chase? Uh, stormy right now, which is good. Yeah. Um, I can cut my sprinklers off tomorrow morning and just let it get the natural rain. That's such um, a great feeling. Yeah, I got my window open right now just watching the lightning, um, which is pretty um, intense at the moment. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, we're going to keep our fingers crossed that uh, our feed remains intact and uh, don't have any technical difficulties. So, yeah. um, If we do, we'll be back. We will be back. Hopefully right back. <laughs> yeah. We are getting in a full episode tonight. Uh, uh, and it, it doesn't matter what the conditions are. So, um, Well, yeah, uh, I thought we, we did a pretty, a pretty good job breaking down those uh, – that, that first stretch of six games um, on the AM schedule uh, leading into the bye week and then um, starting back up uh, still on the road. So there's like a five-week stretch where they're not at Kyle Field. Um, and that first game after the bye is at South Carolina. Um, before we get into that, I did have a question for you. And okay. I, I, didn't pre- I didn't prep you for this, so it's going to be off the cuff. Off the cuff. We'll do it live. Um, so back when you were a manager um, – did those teams like all seem pretty like like close to each other and like tight knit like uh like all the guys were kind of like you know friends and and like like was it like a like a really close knit group yeah i i uh i don't know i would i would say it's like any group of a hundred and some odd guys right? that, that are like, forced to be together for hours yeah like <laughs> like there was the I would I would say collectively were they a team? Yeah, like were they a group? Were they all friends? Did they all yeah. kind of rag on each other from time to time? Yes. Um, was there some infighting between some of them at times, especially during fall camp, whenever you know tensions were high and testosterone's high, and of they course. spend every waking moment together? Yes, there was some of that. Um, but I mean, we just as humans have a natural tendency to. Uh, pair ourselves off in groups and so i would say there would be that like there's always groups of friends if that makes sense Uh, but i I would say collectively yeah i I can't think of a time where i was like you know everybody always talks about um is there trouble in the locker room and that kind of thing i can't think of times where um there was like 
a big separation. I, I would say in 2013, it seemed like there was um, a little bit of disgruntledness between the offense and defense, um, which was kind of more led by Johnny and and the like. Hey, we you know our defense, we need y'all to do something, you know. Yeah. Um, but of course, there was the whole kabobble with Kyler and Kyle. Quarterbacks, um, yeah. Yeah, but, eh, you know, most times, most times if you ever saw fights between guys, it was between guys that were like roommates and like best friends and they were, you know, out there on the field together and right. going against each other and then they get in a fight, you know, like. Yeah. That was about the only times that you ever saw like a real argument or fight or whatever. Right. Why do well, you ask? I, so, yeah, I'll, I'll tell you the reason I ask. Um, so I've been listening to these. Uh, these Texag stacked interviews, and uh, if you're not, you know, if you're not a, a member of Texags, you you ought to be. Um, you ought to be a stacked member because uh, you know they've been doing player interviews and they've been fantastic. But um, a common theme is like, and it may be, it may just be because like we typically don't have that kind of access to the players. We don't get to hear them, you know, talk outside of their you know assigned media days. Mm-hmm. Um, but they they all sound like. Well, I think first of all, it sounds like the leadership is is at uh, it's at a better place than you know maybe it's been in some past years, uh, which I think is kind of an underrated aspect. Like uh, you can be a super talented team, but you know if there's no if there's no leadership, there's no accountability. I, I think things can can fall apart when you hit when you hit uh, adversity. Mm-hmm. Um, but the other thing, like it just seems like a really close group. Like um, and maybe that's just just how all football teams are. You know, like I remember you know. Obviously, long time ago in high school playing, like, you know, that's who you hang out with, you know, like after practice or like out of school, you know, like in, mm-hmm. in college, like that's you're, like the football team is all roommates together. So it only makes sense. They'd be they'd be tight knit. But um, yeah. I, like it's just one thing that kind of stood out. And, um, you know, I think the the eternal optimist in me is um, starting starting to buy in a little bit on uh, how good this team can be. And maybe I'm just trying to uh it's like confirmation bias in my own mind like oh like they're they're more Look, they're closer than, than normal yeah, yeah 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 there's more leadership than ever and like this is going to be the year but it's probably just the fan and the optimist in me uh, total speculation here because um i actually i do like the um the uh qualitative nature of that instead of quantitative like you can't really measure that right right but if you I I wouldn't be totally shocked if somebody were to tell me that the team or teams under Jimbo are closer and more of a tight-knit group than what they were under Sumlin. And I don't right. mean that disrespectfully towards Sumlin or any of his coaching staff that he had while he was there because I think we had some, some great coaches there, but – there was at least a mentality if I had to put like a name on it or, or, you know, really flesh it out, I would say there, there was, it was a kind of everybody do what you want to kind of thing. And so the, the collective groups that kind of came together were just natural from guys spending that amount of time together. Right. Where I could see maybe a Jimbo led team, uh, and and this is just speculation, just based on kind of 
kind of making this up based on what I've observed. Um, there might be more of the camaraderie aspect of we're all in it together. Let's because he's big on talking about team, 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 team. Yeah. Um, a great example of this. Someone's biggest thing that he would always say, which is very coach speaky, but it was do your job, do your job, you know, do your job. And everybody, if everybody does their job, then you're here versus Jimbo's like more of like, um, what's, what's some of his, his like, like, like grit or like, yeah. uh, like his whole like toughness, effort, discipline, pride, grit. Yeah, but like kind of the team aspect of, you know, like get out there and you're not – who cares if you don't have the most touches this game Yeah, if the team won. You know, like I, I get that just from him. And ultimately, like someone saying do your job was based on if, you, if everybody does their job, then we're a solid team, you know. Right. But philosophically, it could be argued that well, if you're just doing your job, you're just worried about yourself, you know, it's more and then, based on the individual, then you can blame somebody else. If, well, I was doing my job. You didn't do yours. Yeah. You know? that's true. And uh, philosophically, I guess you could say that, but right. here we're like really digging into something that you can't measure anyways. So we don't know whether we would be right yeah. or wrong. Yeah. Um, but I don't, I don't, I, I say all that to say, I don't think you're remiss by, maybe buying into that, that, that they seem to be closer. Like yeah. the, the perfect example was when they went and picked, um, a chain off the ground whenever yeah. he fumbled it. Like to me that, that was like a really cool moment of, Hey, get up, you know, we got you. And then the defense comes running over. Hey, we got you. You've been on teams before I've been on teams before. We would probably all do that for our teammates. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it, it, that's, that's not the it's not abnormal you wouldn't think but there was a lot of egos during my time as a student um that were around that you had to kind of deal with right i'm sure there's still egos right now you know yeah. uh, but i guess i i would have more confidence in jimbo mitigating an ego than i would you know someone maybe right um, but it's just different, like different coaching yeah. styles. And, um, obviously I think that Jimbo's coaching style is, is, has been pretty successful. So, yeah, um, I've been so busy as of late that I haven't really gotten to watch any of the stacked stuff. So I really um, need to get on and start watching some of that. Cause I've heard great things about it. I just haven't really watched when, any of it. And there's so many of them now, like they've, I bet they've had a, a third of the team on there. Um, well, and that's kind of why I, I want to like go back and like binge watch all, watch all yeah. of them. You know what yeah. I mean? Um, Heck, we we might just put those on this weekend. Just have them going in the background the whole weekend. That's a great idea. We absolutely <laughs> should do that. Uh, I a hundred percent support that. There's there's definitely enough content to go like several hours of uh of just stacked interviews. But yeah, I'm um, all for that. So I, think, I might watch those and and be like. There's a lot of me that thinks I would watch those and be like, oh, yeah, that's pretty much how it was when we were there. But then there's a lot of me that also thinks I could watch it and be like, yeah, they do seem like really tight knit, <laughs> you know? So, well, and it's the tight knit and like, not that that past teams haven't cared because they certainly have, but this team like gives a damn. Like they're, they're really into like, hey, like, you know, this is serious business. Like we need to 
you know, go win a championship this season. Like, like we don't mm-hmm. want to wait until next year, like like everyone tells us to. Like, like oh, like you might be good this year, but next year's really your year. Like, like they're not having any of that. So, mm-hmm. um, I think it's that, and I think one thing is, I think teams, like, you know, that saying like hard times produce like good leaders and and blah blah blah. Like tough seasons, I I feel like after a tough season, like if if Bama doesn't win the championship, like that their leadership the next season is usually pretty good. And they usually ended up winning it that year. Like this could be a uh, an example where you know we went eight and four, didn't have the season we wanted, and you know that kind of was a reality check. Like, hey, like we need to do better and be better, and maybe they're just more focused because of the of the rough season last year, and like, maybe that's produced more leaders, like because of that. Yeah, and I think I think some of the rat poison that's out there about uh, A and M this past off season has probably done a bit of that as well because, uh, you know, every team would like to gloat and say, oh, no, we don't listen to outside noise. That's not true. Not in yeah. social media days. Like, you you see it. And so uh, I think I think that's going to – that would light a fire under me, you know, if right. I was on the team. And um, – our best season in the SEC arguably was 2012, and that came from an off season of everybody talking about how much how terrible we were going to be. Exactly. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it's it. You, I know, I know, sports people, especially people who played sports, who tried to create that mentality in themselves, they like to think, okay, no, no, that doesn't outside noise doesn't affect. It does. It has an absolute effect, especially today. So. Um, I, I, I think there's a bit of a chip on our shoulder, um, to prove various things. You know, we proved ourselves in 2020 and yet everybody wants to write us off. And we knew midway through that whole thing, this is going to be a great season and everybody's going to be like, Oh yeah, but that was, that was the COVID year. Um, so, and what are they doing now? Oh, well, yeah. Y'all still haven't won 10 games in a season. Oh, well, yeah, and they and they call it like they just kind of throw it out as like, oh, it was a COVID year, like, like it's it's an anomaly, it doesn't count, and right, and it's so dumb because had had COVID not happened, A and M's probably like eleven and two at the worst. Like our schedule got tougher because of COVID because right, you added Florida and Tennessee, and you know there were no cupcake games, <laughs> and yeah, you know if uh, if we had stuck with the original schedule, you're probably winning. 10 at a minimum, maybe uh, 11 or, or, you know, with a bowl game, maybe 12. So, well, and I um, think I, to me, it seems like we've heard more of that this past year than we did last year. Yeah. Like we heard more of that in 20 or like between last season and this season than I remember hearing between COVID and last season. And like, I'm not sure if you've seen this on Twitter or not, but like on August 4th, you know, it was 8 4 and like, not just Longhorn fans, but like other fan bases were like taking shots at AM, like, oh, it's AM day, it's eight and four, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, like, we went, we went, we, we lost one game two seasons ago. We, we won the Orange Bowl. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, like, like, yeah, I get last year wasn't what we wanted it to be. And like, I think we all, we'd all agree with that. But um, I think you're right. That season gets completely ignored just because, oh, it was COVID. Yeah. But they, I think it was more of, they didn't want to talk that last year because they weren't sure how good we were actually going to be 
Exactly. And then now, then when we had an eight and four year, it's like, oh, yep, classic A and M. Y'all can't even win ten games in a season. Yep. You know, uh, so I do want to put uh, Alante's question up here. Um, he says, "How much is the Nick versus Jimbo part of the offseason going to spill over to the game?" And I think, I think part of it will. Um, I think their players, you know, are just as aware of this as our players are. What, what I think it'll do, it'll make for a damn good football game. Like, Absolutely. I don't think, I don't think they're going to kick our ass. I don't think we're going to kick their ass. I think both teams are just going to show up in full force and try to play their best. And it's going to make for uh, great, great football. <laughs> and I'm, I'm very excited about that. I, I think that it will. I think of any off season stuff that has ever happened. I think that is probably the most or the biggest thing that I've ever seen that I would expect to impact the season. So I, I do think that that will have an impact primarily on our players on that game. And the reason why is because they were insulted by a guy who probably recruited almost every single one of them. Yeah. And they're, they're insulted, called out and, and outside of Jimbo, when you just say, uh, Oh, well, A&M bought all these guys. That's insulting. If you're one of those guys that Nick Saban was sitting in your living room six months ago telling your parents that he could turn you into a man. If you're Anthony Lucas yeah, or someone like that yeah. who, who came down to the wire and picked us on signing day. And, and so um, imagine, if, imagine if I'm a five-star recruit, and, or this is how I'm imagining it, and all these coaches keep coming and sitting down in my living room promising my mom a bill of goods about how they're going to take care of me and they're going to provide a good life for me and all that kind of stuff. And I'm torn between A&M and, and uh, Bama, end up going with A&M, and still probably torn. There's no way that you can make that decision not still be like a little bit torn of did I make the right decision. That would be such a hard decision to make. And then not even six months later, just a few months later, here's the same guy that was just promising my mom that she was that he was going to you know really turn me into a man. Mm-hmm. And he's he's saying that somebody bought me. That would not only make me mad because he insulted me, but it would it would just make him out to be a liar to me, you know. Yeah. And and so then that that would that would infuriate me to where I would want to prove something. Yeah. And that that can be a double edged sword though, because you can you can you know, of mice and minute and your Lenny and you're, you're squeezing so tight on that mouse that you kill it because you're, you want to prove something. So you, you get off of your game. Right. Um, but at the same time, it can really vault you to play your best game ever because right. if there's any game that you want to win, it's against this coach. So it'd be one thing if it was, if it was players that said that, but being that it was Nick Saban, you know, who the czar of college football, who said that about me, that would piss me off and that would make me want to play up to that level. Right. So yeah. I, I think, I think absolutely. I think it's a great question. I think it will. Are we going to talk about it between now and then, or are any of our players going to talk about it? No, no. 
when that that game comes up is every question leading up to it is every ESPN, you know, uh, or sports documentarian going to say something about? Absolutely. Is every question going to be in the press conference? Absolutely. Are they going to coach speak it and say, uh, we're not focused on that. We're not worried about that. That's behind us. Yep. Is that true? No. (laughs) 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 They're going to say that all day long. Like, no, you know, that's in the past. We, I said what we said. We're we're done. Let's not talk about it anymore. And then yeah. they're going to go in the locker room. We're going to be like, you show him what we bought today, you know? Yeah. And, and then that's that. So. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I like that. I like that. Um. You know, it's got to be like you can't just get too fired up about it and too angry and go out there and and play. You know, kind of like erratic. Like it's got to be a controlled, you know, passion, a controlled fire. Like like make that be the spark that makes you want to go out there and play the best game you've ever played. And, right. you know, I think of guys like like Anthony Lucas, like Evan Stewart, like these freshmen that are going to, you know, make a, a more immediate impact, That are, especially by that game, that's game six. Like, there's a handful of these guys that are going to be getting a lot of reps. And, you know, like those two guys, I think of, you know, Denver Harris, um, like those those big-name guys that, that Nick Saban did have in-home visits with that, you know, tried to, I tried his his damnedest to get them to come to Alabama and, mm-hmm. and, and couldn't do it. Hey, football fans, join the next generation of fantasy football with Rainmakers Football, their first ever NFT fantasy game from DraftKings. It's the only NFT fantasy game licensed by the NFLPA. Now you can play all season for millions in prizes by building the ultimate NFT franchise. Right now, everyone can get their first full roster starter pack for free. Playing Rainmakers is simple. Buy, sell, bid, and win player card NFTs of the biggest names in the game through regular drops and auctions on DraftKings Marketplace. Craft lineups of athletes from your NFT collection and earn points for touchdowns, receptions, and more, just like daily fantasy football. Build your NFT franchise and enter free Rainmakers football contests all season long to compete for millions in prizes. The next generation of fantasy sports is here. Download the DraftKings Daily Fantasy app now, sign up with promo code TPPN, click the Rainmakers tile, and opt in to get your first card free. Plus, play for millions in prizes all football season while building the ultimate NFT fantasy franchise with Rainmakers football. That's promo code TPPN. Build, play, win. Only at DraftKings. Contest entries dependent on type and number of NFTs held. Eligibility restrictions apply. Void where prohibited. See DraftKings.com for details. That's a great comment. We we didn't plan to go there today, but I'm glad we did. I'm even more... uh, I'm even more fired up than I was when we we started this episode. (laughs) Right. Yeah, me too. (laughs) That's... That's a good place for us to jump off into the back half. And, you know, these these last six games of the season after the bye week, they're they're not easy, but they're it, it definitely feels easier than, than the than the first six. I think we expressed that already, but mm-hmm. um it's it's four home games. Um there's there's no back to back uh away games. In fact, each away game has, you know, two home games in between it. Um, so I think that's, that's, you know, uh, a big plus. And also, you know, like I think this schedule 
the schedule features some very, very good quarterbacks at, at the college level. And they're really all in the front. Like there's, there's some guys, <laughs> there's some guys on this back half that are dangerous. Like Spencer Rattler, obviously, like he's played a lot of ball. Um, and Anthony Richardson at, uh, at Florida. Um, but when it comes to Calzada, though, at Auburn, yeah, Zach Calzada, <laughs> he beat Alabama. Yeah. Um, like it's, it's just difficult enough to where like someone can catch you sleeping and you, mm-hmm. you, you can't get caught sleeping on this back half. No, you can't. And I, I, I mean, I think our season success is predicated on our success of the front six. Um, because if you, if you were to come out of that six and zero, why would we sleep? Right. We're, we're on the, on the cusp of what we're shooting for and it's just going to progressively get easier. And so there's no, there's no sense in sleeping and, and letting that happen. Um, if you come out of it five and one, I would think it, it would be more likely that you might get caught sleeping a time or two. Um, if you come out of it four and two, well, it's probably going to be even more likely because um, some of the motivation is gone. There's, there's that, there's that feeling of, dang it, there goes the season. Right. And um, so that's what you always hate about Bama being mid year because it can really deflate a season. Um, but I think, uh, I think, you know, Jimbo's big thing is they remember November. Right. Well, we play Florida, at Auburn, UMass, and LSU, um, arguably those could be four of our easiest games. Um, and, and I hate to say that because I, I don't doubt these teams are good teams. Um, we don't really know what to expect. I'm not expecting a ton out of LSU, but we don't know what to, what to expect from them. I'm not expecting hardly anything out of Auburn, but – they're going to have Calzada on that team. Uh, he may very well be starting by that point. I don't know. Have, I, I don't know what Brian Harson's going to be like, right? Like it's, it's, they played us very tough last year. Yeah. It was a, it was a dog fight last year and, and a great game. Hope I'm hoping for a great game again, but it is a, it's not an easy, easy game. Florida, Anthony Richardson is, um, one that a lot of people have high hopes for. Um, so he could very well be as good as advertised. Um, so these aren't, these aren't gimme games by any means. Um, it, it never will be in the sec for sure. But, um, yeah, you would like to see a Vanderbilt, you know, on there, <laughs> yeah, um, kidding. but we really don't have one. I mean, the closest we would have to that is Auburn, and I don't think they're going to fall to that that far down, you know. So it's going to be a tough stretch, no matter what. Yeah. But it's if you had to compare that to the front half of the schedule, I think by far that that's the easier one. Yeah. Um, and and I'm not doubting those teams, but I just. That Miami, Arkansas, Mississippi, or Mississippi State, and Alabama is just a that's a tough grind right there. Yeah, and you don't have that that tough of a grind 
at least not back to back to back, you know, yeah. in in back half. So yeah, I think I think those first six those first six games are going to define who this team is, and this team's going to tell us who they are in those six games. And I think they're all winnable. Uh, and um, yeah, I'm I'm kind of with Pierce here on, on his comment of of ten and two. You know, I've I think that's kind of been our you know our thought as well all off season. Like, hey, you know. 10 and 2, 10 and 2, like 10 and 2 at minimum, you know, you can't you know, you shouldn't go 9 and 3 with with this level of talent mm-hmm. you know, unless you just get incredibly unlucky or have a rash of injuries. Um and you need, I feel like I feel like we need that that 10 in the win column mm-hmm. in the in, in the regular season to kind of keep this momentum going and uh you know, not that 9 and 3 is going to derail the entire thing, but it just it just doesn't feel quite as good, you know, <laughs> like no, there's something doesn't. about getting 10 wins in the regular season that, you know, uh, it, it honestly, it hasn't happened at A&M a lot in the past couple decades. So um, it's, it's an important thing, but I often, I often say expectations and expectations, right? Right. Uh, you've heard my definite double definition there. Um, my expectation is 10 and two. My expectation is 11 and one. I actually think we'll, we'll go 11 and one this year. Um, but I expect us to at least go 10 and two. We've got to have that 10 win season. Um, and we're, we've got the talent this year. There's no reason why we shouldn't. Um, yeah. So let's, uh, let's, 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 let's start getting into this, uh, game by game a little bit. So, um, to lay it all out, this back six is, you know, you, you play Alabama, you get a bye week, you know, uh, you get to, uh, recover, recoup, you know, hopefully we've had a lot of success up to that point. But, uh, after the bye week we go, uh, to South Carolina, uh, our bitter, our bitterest of rivals. Uh, then we're home against Ole Miss, home against Florida at Auburn, home against UMass, home against LSU maroon out game, get revenge for next year or for, 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 for last year, excuse me. Um, but at South Carolina, you know, this is a, uh, you know, when these two teams get together, just throw those records out because this is a, a big-time college football rivalry, and you just can't overlook that, even though we've won all, all uh, we've won all the games that we played between each other. Um, you, you, you can't overlook South Carolina. Everybody knows that the, the Texas A&M-South Carolina rivalry is the biggest rivalry in college football. Yeah. Um, yeah, I like that this back half is straddled by – uh, two rivalry games. It starts with South Carolina, ends with LSU. Right. Um, biggest rivalry games in the nation by yep. far. Um, but uh, South Carolina, they they played a, some good football last year that that I was I was mildly impressed with. Um, you know, we like beat the crap out of them in our game, and then after that, they were really good. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know why they were good, but they were like they beat Auburn. They they crushed. North Carolina in their bowl game. Yeah. Uh they've had a lot of a lot of excitement surrounding their program this offseason too. Um their video video production people have been great. They've gone viral a couple different times with yeah. like their um their full house video that they did. Hey, I'll and, be honest. When you, when you sent me the video about cockadoodle do, I thought it was going to be a South Carolina hype video. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know what that was. It was a Twitter account called like, 
what was it called? Uh, old old Trump videos or something? Yeah, random old Trump videos or something. And he goes, <laughs> cock-a-doodle-doo, folks. My name's Donald Trump. <laughs> uh, if you haven't seen the video, go watch it. That's what I was referencing earlier. Um, but, yeah, so, so South Carolina, um, I love that game after the Alabama game. Personally, I, I think that's a great um, a great palate cleanser. Um, we're going to be banged up coming out of that, that stretch following Bama. I said last time um, that we really can lay it all out on the field at Bama, and then we got two weeks to prepare for South Carolina. Um, so I like that. I also like uh, something that we haven't really mentioned. It's kind of, kind of a, a – well, I'll say this going into the Ole Miss. So, what, what what other points do you have about South Carolina? So, I'll I'll kind of do what I did last week and say you know something nice about them and something not so nice about them. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, like like the excitement is, I think that's a real thing. Like uh, they're they're very energized right now. Uh, you know, Shane Beamer, uh, the head coach over there, walked into a a not so great situation, and you know. To make a bowl game, just to make a bowl game in his first year, and then win that bowl game, who was also against a team that you know you battle for for, for recruits in North Carolina, um, that was a great first season for them, and mm-hmm. they've they've got some nice recruits. Um, obviously, uh, maybe the biggest recruit they got was in the transfer portal with Spencer Rattler. Um, their quarterback situation stunk last year, like maybe one of the worst that I've ever seen. They, they played a like a receiver at quarterback in their bowl game, I think. Um, but Spencer Rattler, like, like, say what you will about him, but he's he's a legit college quarterback. Like, he's mm-hmm. he's not a bad player by any means. So that's my something nice. And I think they have, they've got a couple other guys. Like, their tight ends. I think he's a good player. Can't think of his name. Um, and they have a, a guy or two on defense who are um, are uh, you know like all SEC kind of candidates. But when it, I think the flip side of that is like my, my my negative for them is you know when it comes to just the overall level of talent and depth uh they just don't have the horses that that andem does and you know i think they have some nice tight ends like they got uh, stogner from from oklahoma to transfer over there um and, he, and he's a good player but in terms of like their you know offensive skill and uh even even their trenches as a whole i just don't think it's gonna it's gonna compare to what to what andem can do yeah, I I agree with that wholeheartedly. I think Spencer's going to be a good quarterback. They've got, he's got history with Shane Beamer, and um, I I think he'll do really well for South Carolina. But I don't think they have all the tools yet to to make it happen against us. And and they might be a real threat next year uh, mm-hmm. on that. But uh, I. Of all of the SEC games, at least, this is the one I feel most comfortable about. I might change my tune as the year goes on, but just going into the year, I think that that's one that I'm I'm least concerned with. Um, so I'll kind of I'll say what I was about to say and and segue us now into Ole Miss. Um, this sets up very similarly to our 2012 season. So in 2012, we had that stretch of away games, and and it was it was like we were away a lot in in a row, and it was because we had reschedule on on the um, Louisiana Tech game. When you look at at our schedule right now, 
We play Miami September 17th, and we don't play in Kyle Field until October 29th again. Mm-hmm. So we go five weeks, really six weeks in between the two, where we're not at Kyle Field. So going back to the going back to what we were we were talking about or the theme earlier of motivation. Um, how do you motivate a team if we lose against Bama uh, or if we lose against Arkansas? You know, how do you motivate a team on on various things? Well, you've got some areas here where, yeah, if we beat Arkansas, we beat Mississippi State, and let's say we beat Bama. Well, hey, let's let's finish this road stretch. Let's let's beat South Carolina. Let's go home. And then whenever you flow into Ole Miss, it's like, hey, we're home, and they've been waiting us for us to come back, get out there, and and show them we're back. You know. Yeah. And, and if it's that scenario you lined out, you know, it's it's coming home to a home crowd as as the number one team in the country, likely. Right, and and um, you've gotten through showing Bama who's boss. You know, in this scenario, right of you showed them what's up. You 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 won the Saban versus Jimbo argument on the field, and then now you got Mini Saban uh, coming to Kyle Field, and you can beat him <laughs> up too, you know. And he can say, "Oh yeah, well I'm, uh, you know, get your popcorn ready. Hopefully, he says it again, and we'll we'll uh, do the same thing Bama did to them last year." Oh, you um, hope so. So, so almost is is going to be a threat uh, as long as. Lane Kiffin's there. I mean, they, yeah. they do have some tools. Um, but I that's one game that I really hope that we win. That's one thing I think Kyle Field will really get loud for because, number one, we've been it, – it'll seem like a whole off season since we've been there, you know, during that six-week stretch. And then it's Lane Kiffin who has talked a lot of trash about us this, this yeah. offseason. And um, we'll have something to prove on the field too. And – I think a lot of the Aggie fan base will will be raring to go to make it loud in there, you know. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll tell you one thing about the Aggie fan base that I've learned, and like this is like even your 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 fan that doesn't you know read Texags or is super plugged in, um, they hate losing to the Mississippi schools. They yeah. freaking hate it. <laughs> they and it's and it's it, it's it's valid. You know, we we shouldn't lose to those teams. We mm-hmm. we consistently bring in much more talent than they do and, and they and they have good players i'm not going to doubt them and they, they have good coaches but it just shouldn't happen at the rate that it has happened and that's why you want like like a fans want to beat mississippi state so bad they want to beat Ole miss so bad because if you can take care of that and your only loss is alabama then that's a season that fans can live with mm-hmm. if you go eight and four at least to both of them as well as arkansas and lsu that's a season that they can't really live with and it's not really acceptable. So Ole Miss, you know, great year for them last year. Uh, it was outstanding. It was kind of, it was peak Lane Kiffin. Like that's what he wants to do with a team. And not that they've, you know, not that he maxed it out last year, but it was, it was, it was really ideal for him. Uh, he had a fourth year quarterback in Matt Corral, who was outstanding, uh, ended up getting drafted and, had DJ Durkin uh, manning his defense, who's now at AM, uh, who we're a big fan of. And they were just, you know, it all it all clicked for him. And in the offseason, for whatever reason, his whole coaching staff left. <laughs> I think he's <laughs> like, is that right? He's the only guy left from the staff last year. Like, is that right? Was, 
I think it is. Really? Um, I know for uh, he definitely lost both coordinators and like multiple position coaches. Uh, he even hired his own brother and then he left like a month later. Um, wow. So, so that, you know, it may mean nothing. It may mean something. I don't really know. But things like that made me say, is is this, you know, is this is this dysfunctional over there? And, and maybe parts of it are. But uh, I think on the field, you know, uh, Kiffin dubbed himself the 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 portal king or the transfer king or whatever instead of Tiger King. He made like a Tiger King shirt with the with his face on it. And it said Portal King, um, which is which is you know peak peak Kiffin. But yeah, uh, they they did well on the portal, and I think a couple of those guys are really going to pan out. Uh, specifically, Zach Evans at running back and Michael Trigg the tight end. I think both of them are very good players. What the downside is for them, I think. My my negative for them is I don't think they have a quarterback. And what what frustrates me about national media is they cling to names and they don't really evaluate the player. They're just like, oh, this is a name that other people think is good, so I'm going to think they're good too. And mm-hmm. I'm going to talk about that. And if you go back to you know January, February, every podcast in America did a show, every college football podcast in America – did a show about Jackson Dart going t- from USC to Ole Miss. They're like, oh my gosh, like this is such a great move. You know, uh, Ole Miss won't miss a beat, losing Corral. And then spring football comes around and Jackson Dart kind of stunk. And, you know, maybe he wasn't this, this can't miss quarterback. And I'm not saying he's going to be bad, but, you know, maybe he's picked it up in fall camp. Maybe he's going to be v- really good. But Matt Corral was like the perfect quarterback for that offense. And it's, it's going to be a step back at that position. And I think that holds them back this year. Yeah, I think so too. Um, I think anytime you have changes like that, it's going to it, our change at quarterback is going to have some ill effects at that position, no matter what. Even if it's a, if even if we end up by the end of year having a great quarterback, it's going to have its own kinks. It's always going to, um, and and so, yeah, I. <laughs> I'm with you on on Aggie fans just don't want to lose to the Mississippi schools. That's how I feel anytime I I look at Ole Miss's logo. I'm like I just don't want to lose to them. You know, um, we ought to beat them. We we don't need to be at their level. We need to be the level above with the talent that we have. So right. I mean that's just and I'm going to say that about just about every team this year. Um, Florida, Florida is an interesting one to me um, because I, I'm curious to see I'm curious to see what kind of team they are this year uh, I don't have high expectations for them I don't think like somebody uh, I saw a video of some Florida fans saying that uh, Anthony Richardson will be the the best quarterback that they've ever had in Florida history or something like that. And I'm like, you might want to slow down there a bit. Um, yeah. I think they have three Heisman winning quarterbacks. That they've, right. Like they've I, history. It'd be one thing if somebody said that about <laughs> Vanderbilt's quarterback, like, okay, right. that, yeah, that might can the case can be made for that. But for Florida, like you've got a history there. Like you can't, can't really say that. So, um, Curious to see, curious to see what the coaching staff does uh, with the team, and um, I really don't have much of an opinion on Florida just because they're a bit of an unknown to me. Yeah, um, 
So what are your thoughts? Because I'm sure you've done a little bit more research on that than I have. Well, it's funny because, um, you know, I've, I've, I've gone to pretty much each of our opponents' message boards at some point this offseason just to get a feel for, like, how they're feeling about their team, like, who they who they lost from last year, who's coming back, uh, j- j- just kind of checking the vibe of, of, of each team's uh, message boards. And I've got to say, I've, like, I've researched Florida, I've looked into them, and I just don't have anything to say about them. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, there's just, like... I, I guess I'll talk about about Anthony Richardson, who uh, who recently, you know, like he had the nickname AR-15. He recently told people to stop calling him that. Um, so I'll just call him Anthony Richardson um, or just AR. Um, yeah. That's his initials. But uh, he's extremely gifted with physical tools. Uh, he's a big guy. He's like 6'3", you know, 230 pounds, extremely fast, uh, incredible arm strength. But all those things don't really make a good quarterback by themselves. He could he could be very very good mm-hmm. if you know the middle side clicks, and it might. But uh, we just haven't seen it yet. And he's you know he's a very high ceiling player. And honestly, like if I had to give a pro for them, it's probably just the, the fact that they have him on their team. They you know like mm-hmm. you know if, if if he works out, they could be they could be formidable. Uh, the downside for them is I just don't think the rest of their team is very good. Um, their offensive line is is okay. Uh, not really many difference makers there. They don't have a lot of difference makers on their defensive line or their linebackers or their secondary uh, or their skill spots. Like I think they have a decent running back or two, but they don't really have great receivers from what I can tell. And it, it, it's, I, I can't get a feel for them. I mean, like I've, I've tried to research them and I just, I don't know what they are, so yeah. <laughs> I'm going to have to see them uh, in in live action before I have any kind of real opinion on them. But I, if, if I'm if I'm calling it today, I think AM can can win that game, and it, sh- it could be comfortable. Yeah, I was going to say if I had to call it today, if I had to call it today, I'm going to AM over over that. But more of if I had to kind of nitpick what I do know about Florida, I do know in, that in recent years. They've lost a lot of their good players. They've struggled at various times in in recruiting, or um, you know, just had a lot of off the field issues. That to me, it screams a team that's going to have to have two or three years of rebuilding. Um, so, uh, oh, Pierce has a good question. I'm going to put that one up here. Uh, I'll let you answer this one, Will. Yeah, Pierce asked, uh, who are you more uh, more worried about between Miami and Florida? Uh, well, they're both at home. I, I think I'd have to say it's it's easily it's easily Miami for me. Um, me too. Their their quarterback is much more proven. Um, you know, he, he's he's a really really good player. Uh, both teams, you know, took a lot of transfers, and you know, honestly, I think both sets of of skill players uh, are pretty non threatening. Um, so it's, it's kind of, it's kind of a wash, but with Miami being earlier in the season and, you know, maybe we're still trying to figure some things out against a really good quarterback. Uh, I'd have to go with them over Florida right now. That, that would be the exact reasoning for me just because I just got there saying, I don't just know a ton about Florida, uh, at this moment in time, Miami is who I'm most worried about because I also don't just know a whole lot about our team and what, what it's going to look like. So right. 
Miami's going to be our first big game out of the gate. And um, there's going to be some mistakes that are made. And they might be, they're, they're a good enough team that they could capitalize on those mistakes. Uh, I don't expect us to have as many mistakes the first game in November. And right. So, um, so I think we're going to play a lot more refined football against Florida, which means that they've got to be a lot better of a team than Miami is for me to be more worried about them than Miami. And I just don't see that. Yeah. Uh, if I had to put them head to head, I, I like the two teams. If Miami and Florida were playing, I don't know who I would pick. <laughs> like, yeah, I think I would probably still pick Miami in this at this point. But yeah, um, I. It's not a matter of do I think Miami is a better team than Florida. I right. think the way they set up on our schedule, and um, I would give them a slight edge in terms of thinking that they are a better team. Um. That's that's what it comes it really comes down to. Yeah. Yeah, and like they they definitely haven't recruited to the standard of Florida. That's it's it's kind of the primary reason that, that Mullen got 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 fired was uh mm-hmm. his his lack of recruiting. And so they they won't have the you know the talent of a typical Florida team. Definitely not near as talented as the one that came to Kyle Field in twenty twenty. Mm-hmm. Um the last thing I'll say about them is I, I really like their coach, Billy Napier. Uh, I think that was a really good hire. Um, I think like he's starting to recruit really well. And, you know, I think in the future they could be a really good team, but as far as this year and this schedule, uh, I just, I'm not that scared of them at this point. Yeah. Um, let's move on to Auburn. Um, or Eagles. Uh, that one's going to be, that one's going to be a a fun one. I, at this right now, I would say I, I think we win that game. But when you look at how they played against us last year, they they put up a good fight at our home stadium. Now we're at theirs. Of course, this is the you know we normally have better luck at theirs it, than we do. It, at ours. it used to be that, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, it used to be we would always win at each other's stadiums, right? Um, but uh, I they just. I don't know. They they seem like an amalgam of a team. Like there's just just a lot of just kind of pasted together things about their team. I'm not just right. real strong on their coaching staff. Um I don't just have a whole lot of faith that this is the Auburn team to be worried about. Yeah. Um, but the Calzada factor really plays in because that dude's a competitor and I think he. I think there's bound to be a little bit of animosity towards A and M from him, and there has to be. I mean, you know, after all, all of you can SMD, you know, is what he said. So, <laughs> uh, he definitely, definitely has that animosity, and I, I can't blame the guy. He did oh, really yeah. well for us, and, and and that's one of the more disappointing things that I've I've seen about the Aggie fan base was how we treated Calzada. And um, and I'm saying we because I kind of was that way too. <laughs> like, oh, I was pretty down on him, and and um, and he did some good things for our team. Like, so if I'm him, I'm playing the game of my life in that game. Yeah, and, and we all know that you know 
in a season, he's got one really, really good game in him. And he might, he might save it for that one. Yeah. And, and I, if, if we get the game of his life from Calzada, that worries the crap out of me because, uh, we, we see, we've seen what he can do when he's tough and that dude's tough. So, uh, I'd be lying if I said I wasn't at least mildly concerned about Calzada. Yeah. Um, I wish him the best. I wish him success. I, oh, for I, sure. I wish I could go back to last year and kind of not get so in depth in the, the aggravation towards him because he really did do good for our team. But, yeah. um, you know, that's probably the biggest fear for me is, is, yeah. Him. You know, if you go back to however many months ago that was where, the Auburn boosters tried to run Brian Harson out of there uh, back in the spring. Mm-hmm. At that point, I was like, man, Auburn's going to be trash this year. Like they may go like three and nine. They're going to miss a bowl. They're going to fire him. They already want to fire him. They're just looking for a reason to. The culture is going to fall apart. And, you know, I heard something. I think it may have been SEC media days or, or somewhere around there to where, you know, one take on it was like the, the, culture is actually stronger now at Auburn because the malcontents have been like cold, like, like the players that didn't get along are gone and the players that stayed have all bought in. And maybe that's the case. Mm -hmm. Um, I I can't say one way or the other, but you know, my, my pros and cons for them, you know, pro obviously tank Bixby. He's a great, he's a fantastic running back. will definitely be in the NFL after this season uh, as you know, probably a second round pick at worst. Uh, and their defensive line is really, really good. Um, it it typically is at Auburn for whatever reason. They do really well at that position. Um, and if you go back to last year, you know, against uh, in the Iron Bowl against Bama with with TJ Finley at quarterback with Bo Nix hurt, uh, that Auburn D line was just all over Bryce Young. Like I think the final score was like like it was ten three for a long time. Like Bama couldn't even get in the end zone. And they they finally scored it, you know, tied it up at the end, and then won in overtime. But you know that that D line is still there, so that's you know that's a really strong, you know, uh, part of their team. Mm-hmm. What's not what's not as good is uh, their receivers don't scare me in the slightest, and they lost a lot of their guys on the back end um, to the, to the NFL draft. Where, where, like where they were, you know, their secondary was quite good last year. Now most of those guys are gone, so. Um, you know, it's kind of an old school SEC team where it's like, you know, strong running game, strong defensive line, uh, try to get into a low score, like rock fight. And, you know, they're capable of doing that. But, um, you know, if, if I'm picking today, I, I'm probably picking them last or next to last in the SEC West. Yeah. I, I don't know about that. I'm, I'm glad we're not having to do that because that was tough last year to try to try to do. Um, yeah. But I, uh, I don't. I'm very confident that we win that game. Uh, like I said, my only fear is Calzada. But to the points you just made, uh, by the by week nine on our schedule, I fully expect that our offensive line is going to be playing great football. Yeah. Um, so their D line doesn't worry me as much. I know that our defensive line is going to be playing great football by that point in the season. Their offensive line and their running game doesn't worry me at all because we'll shut that down. Um, so 
what we didn't have last year, you know, we, we, we had a world war one situation last year where it was just battle of the trenches and it was just back and forth and it was just a, just a hard grind back and forth and back and forth. And it looked like an old, old school football game. Uh, even like before pads, that old <laughs> football game, but what we didn't have last year that we do have this year is mobile quarterbacks and, some deep threats and yeah. some good receiver play some speed that where they are going to have to really rely on that running game. We don't have to, I don't think this year. Um, so especially again, by that point in the season. So I'm not worried about that one. I think, I think that one's a win. That one's probably one of the ones I'm most confident about us coming out with a win. Yeah. Um, but anything can happen, especially when we're looking this far out. I mean, a lot can change in three months time, you know? Yeah. So. Uh, I'll, tell you, I'll tell you what can happen is, uh, or what definitely will not happen is uh, A&M is not using the, <laughs> sorry. Uh, A&M is not losing to UMass. That's, yeah. that, that does not fall within any realm of possibility. So and, UMass. Um, yeah. Dub. We've got respect for Sam Houston and for App State. Yeah. We don't have it for UMass. <laughs> no, sorry. Um, so LSU, LSU is going to be an interesting game this year. I'm less worried about LSU than I've ever been <laughs> going into a season. Um, and I know that I've dogged on LSU a lot this offseason, but uh, I just – there's way too many moving parts there. You know, we've got their starting quarterback from last year. They got a new coach. One of their other quarterbacks just walked off the team here recently. That, like, that is so weird to me. Yeah, I'm, I'm the, not sure what happened there, unless he just get, didn't get the starting job. But And, yeah. and there could be, could be other things. You know, you could have some sort of rare disease or something like that. You can't ever tell. But – LSU is a question mark just as much as Florida is to me, um, but a question mark in a bad way. Florida is a question mark in I don't think they're good, but maybe they are. LSU is yeah. more of like I don't think they're good, and maybe they're a little bit better than I think they are, but I'm I'm not even worried about them, to be quite frank. <laughs> Like, yeah. I, I think this is a year that we get an easy win over LSU and go into the offseason or go into the – postseason if if it were over there i'd be a lot more worried mm -hmm. uh, just because you know i'm not i'm not superstitious or not i'm not that superstitious but you're just a little uh, stitious it's I'm, I'm slightly stitious and it's okay. it's I'm tough to win over there it's it's it's, it's tough to win in, in in death valley but mm -hmm. uh you know it is it is at home and you know i'll say this about lsu this season is they, they might have the widest range of possible outcomes out of any team in the country. Um, like, like them in Texas are, are kind of similar, although Texas has had some injuries, but mm -hmm. like, like LSU could legitimately go like, like six and six, maybe, maybe five and seven, but I think six and six is more believable <coughs> and like up to like 10 and two. And yeah. they could look really, really good. Like right off the bat, they could look, flat terrible for mm -hmm. the whole year and and struggle to make a ball game and what there's 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 a few things that worry me like like not not really worry me but just like that i think that that caused me to think they might be good is for all the 
weirdness of Brian Kelly <laughs> um, that we've you know experienced in the offseason is you know like aside from all that he's a pretty good coach I I yeah. always thought that that he caught some flack at Notre Dame for not winning a title but he didn't have national title talent on his team like he did most years he did the best he could with what he had and mm-hmm. um, you know having more talent you know at LSU at least in some spots you know he he, he may be weird and whatnot or whatever but he, he is still a good coach and that part you know gives me pause on on like i i, I just i have a hard time seeing them be just flat terrible you know like edo 2020 terrible yeah i don't think they're gonna be terrible don't get me wrong i just don't think that they're i think he's gonna have to rebuild a bit yeah. and i i don't even some of his best teams at notre dame I wanted to play them every year because I'm like, man, we would beat them. Mm-hmm. So whenever I think about it like that, I'm like, yeah, we finally get to. Right. Um, so I, but here's the thing. If we're playing for a 10th or 11th win, I think we win that game yeah. because every Aggie wants it so bad. The team wants it so bad. Jimbo wants it so bad that it's going to be a loud, raucous game. And I expect it to be. You know, similar in that sense to how um, the seven overtime game was against LSU, where it's just we're not going to quit. We're just going to keep going, <laughs> and we're going to figure out a way to win that game. And yeah. if you're going in for your eighth win of the season, I think it's a different story. Um, ninth win too, but ten or eleven, twelve even. Yeah, yeah. I think I think we go in and just crush them. And, um, that's, that's the biggest key to it. So, um, before we, oh, go ahead. Sorry. Uh, I think for like my, my pros and cons for LSU are, uh, it's kind of the opposite of Florida. Like I've got very, very strong feelings about some of their position groups and, uh, specifically their, their receivers are really, really good. Um, they might be, this may sound crazy. They might be the best receiver unit that we, that, that we play this year, like better than Bama's. Hmm. Um, I think their D line is very good. Um, but their O line was horrible last year. I think it's still going to be pretty bad. Uh, it's, it's odd to say this about an LSU team, but I think their secondary is pretty bad. Um, and then when, when it comes to quarterbacks, you know, if I had to rank the quarterbacks of the, of the SEC teams that we play this year, plus Miami, uh, LSU situation is probably last or second to last in that, in that group. And mm. that gives me a lot more confidence that, uh, you know, they don't have a Joe Burrow or someone like yeah. that, or, or even, or even, or even a good quarterback, you know, like I think they have, you know, a couple of average players and, uh, you know, even though they have good weapons, we should, we should kind of dominate them on the, like our, our D line should dominate their O line. I think our O line will hold their own. And, um, you know, I think, I think we can score a lot of points on them. No, I agree wholeheartedly. Um, I, I think, I think we this is a year that we beat LSU and and um they they're going to be a good team in terms of they're not just going to be a, a pushover but I think we should be in full form by that point in the season. We've got the talent to overtake them. We're playing them at home. Again, if we're playing for a 10th or 11th or 12th win, I think we we win that game. And and it's not really in question. So, yeah. um, before we before we wrap up though, 
Let me ask Alante's question to you um, if you didn't see it. But do you think that the quarterback that ends up winning the job, um, which whichever way it goes, do you think that impacts our outlook on the season? I think it I think it would affect the the like like the range of outcomes. Um like I think with with either King or, or Connor, you know, I think there's a pretty high ceiling and maybe a little bit lower floor than with Max. Mm-hmm. You know, I think I think Max may be uh more even keel, uh, less likely to, you know, have a rash of turnovers and just have a like a, a clunker game in there where you know, he turns the ball over four or five times. Um, and not saying that the other guys will do that, but, you know, they might be apt to, to take some more risk. Um, so, yeah, I think, you know, it, it, it's it's all very, you know, like there's like the, the, the margin for error in college football is is so great. You know, <laughs> like, mm-hmm. you know, if the ball bounces wrong one day, like, you know, you, you, you go from being uh, an 11 and one team to a nine and three team. And you're like, damn, like, you know, like this could have been our year and, you know, we just kind of got unlucky, but um, that's kind of my take. I think Connor and King higher ceiling, a little bit lower floor. I think Max, you know, I feel pretty good about getting a 10 with Max, but I don't know if we could get much farther past that. Yeah. I, I would tend to agree, but at the same time, I'm going to say, uh, and I'll take Wigman out of it because I just don't, I don't foresee him starting this year. I just don't. Yeah. Um, but to compare King and, and Max, I the pros and cons of either one outweigh each other or balance each other out to where, yeah, if I'm analytically looking looking at it, I would say, oh yeah, I think exact. I would say exactly what you just said about you know I think you have higher ceiling, higher ceiling, lower floor with. Uh, King than you do, um, like let's say it's twelve and zero to eight and four with King, right? And it's right. ten and two with Max, right? But at the same time, I would say you know if when you when you look at King and um, what's his pro? Well, his pro is that he's been in the system longer. Uh, what's his con? His con is that he he's only played a handful of live games. Max's pro is that he's played a full season of live games with LSU. He knows what the SEC schedule is really like. Con is that he hasn't been in the system very long. So I would say those offset each other to the point that because I'm not at practice every day and I can't see what these guys are doing and I can't see what's going on in the decision-making and we're leaving it up to Jimbo, I would say Jimbo doesn't have a safety pick this year. Yeah. Um, whereas Mond, uh, in a lot of instances, people would have considered him the safety pick. Um, I just, I don't see. There's not like the equivalent of a of a safety or of a uh, comfort hire, right? Right. There's not, uh, not a comfort quarterback, even though we like to think that Max would be. There's a lot of issues with Max coming on. So to me, whoever wins that starting. Um, position gives us the best shot for the best season, quite yeah. frankly. And that's just because there's a lot of unknowns that we we don't see because we're not practice, you know. Yeah. And I think Jimbo definitely sees it that way. Like there's no doubt. Mm-hmm. Like he's he's not worried about, 
ceiling floor. He's worried about who's going to win. Like who's the, like who's the best guy? You know, mm-hmm. like who's who's performing the best? And uh, yeah, it's hard to disagree with that. You know, um, if at this point, if Max wins the job, that means you know he's beaten out King, who's had all that experience in the system. You know, who knows it so well and is you know uh, has been improving. If Max can can win, that means that he's just gotten that much better. Mm-hmm. Um, if somehow Connor wins, you know, like we know his talent, like that just means that he's mastered the system in an incredibly short time. And he's, yeah, and he, he, he beat out two guy. guys who should should have beat him. So I mean, right? Uh, yeah, I I think whoever walks out on that field and is our starter starting quarterback, I think gives us the absolute best shot. And I think either way, he, whoever walks out there is going to surprise us. Yeah. Um, if it's Max, we're probably going to go in thinking like, oh, you know, what's going on here? This is going to be another Kellen Mond situation. And I don't think it will be. I think it'll be better. And then if it's yep. King, I think, you know, we're like, okay, well, here we go. Let's see what he can do. Yep. So I, I think either way, we're, we're good. If it's Connor, then it's like, what? What just happened? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's like, holy crap, we're about to have a husband candidate on our hands. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, well, yeah, like, like what better way to end the show than that? Um, yeah, great question. Thanks, Alante. I always yeah. appreciate your your uh, questions and, and commentary. It really helps. Same with you, Pierce. Um, <laughs> you guys, you guys really, uh, I, I really appreciate y'all's y'all's support of our podcast. We we do it for y'all. <laughs> like yeah. that, y'all are what keep us going on it for sure. Yeah, that's a couple of boys from uh, from Camp Cisco back in the day. So I'm glad to see them hanging around and, uh, and, and being involved. We, we, we definitely appreciate that, but, um, and shoot by, you know, by our next episode on Monday, we could have a quarterback decision. You know, I, I'm not saying that we will, but it's, it's possible. It's possible. Mm-hmm. We find that out pretty soon. Um, and we'll definitely be on, uh, you know, on, on high alert <laughs> when that happens. And, you know, we, sure. we might even do a, uh, an, an, an emergency show <laughs> if, if that does happen, but we might even do a tweet. We might even tweet. <laughs> <laughs> um, but as always, we appreciate you guys listening. Um, and we've got some exciting things in the work, I think, in the works. Uh, and and we're, we're excited to, to share that with you all and um, uh, and, and look for, for some big things next week. Yeah, definitely join us Monday at 7. We've got, got some big, a big... Big development to the podcast that I I have been waiting on anxiously, and yep. it's gonna be it's gonna be great. So yep. join us at seven on Monday, you'll love it. All right, uh, thanks again for listening, and enjoy y'all's weekend. We'll talk to you on Monday.